Hey, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and for today's video, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, a, a fellow content creator answered a bunch of questions on their YouTube channel recently, and uh, they sent these questions to me. They said they, they thought these were, these were great questions for any hobby gamer to think about and answer and to put out there in the world to share with our fellow hobby gamers. And I looked up the questions and I actually really liked them. I thought they'd be fun questions to talk about on camera here. And also hopefully fun questions for you to answer in the comments below. In the description of this video, I've added uh, the questions so you can just copy and paste them and you can add your answers right next to them if you were so inclined to do so. There are 15 questions here. Um, the first one is favorite childhood board game. And I actually had the great pleasure of playing a lot of different board games as a kid. And I think I've even done a video about like my, my top 10 favorite games from my childhood. But two of my favorites, one of which I own, one of which I, I don't, uh, are Key to the Kingdom and Scotland Yard. Key to the Kingdom uh, it was a game that I th it has actually been re-released now. Um, th there's a new version of the game. But uh, it, it was just this, this giant magical board. I, I, I just remember getting so excited to open the box and see this board with all these different the illustrations and, and locations and characters on it. Really beautiful board. A lot of randomness to the game itself, but I had fun playing Key to the Kingdom. And Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard is one of the few games from my childhood that I still actively play and actively seek out plays of. And in fact, this is the copy of the game from my childhood. I, I think this, is a, this copy of the game is a little over 30 years old now. Um, but Scotland Yard is a hidden movement game where one player plays as Mr. or Mrs. X. They are hidden uh, throughout the game, although they, they pop up. You can see where they are throughout the game. And the other players are working together to find uh, Mr. X. It's the most simple, streamlined, hidden movement game ever, I think, as far as I know. And because of that, it is, it is so easy to get to the table, so easy to get immersed in what's happening because they're not kind of bogged down in a lot of other rules that you have to worry about. I just, I love this as a hidden movement game. I love, love Scotland Yard. That is my favorite childhood board game. The second question is, what is the first game that I actually purchased? And this was a tough one to think about um, because I, I, I think I typically as a kid, I would, I would get games as gifts. But I think the first game that I actually spent money on was Magic the Gathering. Um, this was when I was probably around 13 years old. And I have a very distinct memory of this. Um, there were two shops that I went to. I grew up in Chesterfield, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia area. And there were two shops, one of which still exists, One-Eyed Jocks in, in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Great store. And I distinctly remember going there to buy dice. And that might have been the first like gaming-related thing that I bought. Uh, because I was buying those dice to design games, and which I started doing when I was around eight years old. And so that was probably my first gaming-related purchase, going to One-Eyed Jocks and buying some dice that I still have somewhere. They're, they're these beautiful marble dice, 14-millimeter dice. But I think my, my first actual game purchase was, uh, were two revised starter packs from Magic the Gathering, um, at a store that I can't remember, but I know it wasn't one I jocks. And I remember going in with my little brother uh, to buy these packs and discovering and learning at this time, this is the difference between back then and the internet these days, learning as we walked into the store that Magic had, uh, had already announced that they were moving on to the fourth edition. They were done with revised. And so there was no revised content out there, but we were two little kids. We walked up to the counter I guess I was 13, I wasn't that little, but we were still little kids compared to the person working at the, behind the counter. And I said, hey, I was, I was hoping to buy um, a, a starter pack for me and a starter pack for my brother. 
And the guy kind of looked around and he was like, okay, like we're technically we're sold out, but we have a few. And he pulled out two revised starter packs from behind the counter and, uh, and, and let us buy them. And it was just thinking back about it. I'm like, how cool was that? Like this guy didn't have to do that. He just looked at these kids who are really excited to play a game. He's probably keeping these packs from people who are just kind of trying to buy them all up as collectors to, to get uh, the, the dual lands that are in these packs, things like that. We didn't get any dual lands, but I know that I opened a Shivan Dragon in one of those packs. And at the time, Shivan Dragon was like the coolest card ever for, for a kid playing Magic the Gathering. So I, I just have a really, really happy memory, fond memory of, of, of seeing that happen and seeing that uh, that kind of customer connection there, seeing that, that we were just kids who wanted to play a game of Magic and uh, looking past kind of the collector side of it at that point. So yeah, I think Magic Starter Pack Revised was the first game that I purchased. My breakthrough game. What is my my breakthrough game? So again, I played a lot of games as a kid, and then I, I feel like I didn't even really take that big of a break from gaming. In college, I was playing, uh, played a lot of hearts in college, some spades, played a lot of Mario Kart. It wasn't a tabletop game, but we played a lot of Mario Kart in college. Um, and then after college, I played a lot of poker for a long time. I wouldn't call poker my breakthrough game. I'm leading up to my breakthrough game, but we played a lot of poker. I'm getting that. Like, I, I don't think there was a point in time where I stopped playing games for any long period of time. But I do distinctly remember um, being invited to play Settlers of Catan, now just called Catan, at a game night uh, when I was probably in my mid 20s. And that really opened things up for me. That kind of showed me that um, what hobby, game, hobby gaming looked like. And that people were playing games in in, in modern times, which I, I, I wasn't aware that there were people doing that. So I was delighted that, that a few friends were doing that. And then the other breakthrough level after that was Agricola. Um, my friend and actually future business partner, Alan, bought Agricola, had heard their great things, learned how to play Agricola. And he's the one that introduced it to some other friends, including me. And, and we played Agricola nonstop for a couple of years after that. That was the game that we would play. Um, that happened with Catan too. Like, that was the game that we played for a long time. Then it was Agricola. We played that for a really long time. And that uh, Agricola really opened things up for me, both as a gamer and as a game designer, because uh, of the, the clever worker placement system, how the game kind of ramps up as you play, offers you more and more worker placement options as you play, that you have your own little tableau that you're building. I don't, I guess Magic does have your own little tableau. Uh, but just the idea of having this your own little farm that no one else can mess with. It's your own thing that you can do whatever you want with, and it can grow and develop in different ways every time you play. It was just a joy to play. Uh, and and yes, yeah, so I would call Catan and Agricola in some ways my my breakthrough games. I'm curious what your breakthrough game is and how you how you view that question. Question four is a theme that always draws me in. So I have a video about my top 10 favorite themes in, in tabletop games. And two of my favorite themes on that list are time travel and heists. And these are themes that draw me in for any genre of fiction. Like I love time travel and time loop fiction. And I love heist fiction and TV shows and movies and books. Um, two examples of this, um, one of my favorite time travel games is Time Stories. I love Time Stories. I actually haven't seen them release uh, a pack for Time Stories in a long time. I don't know if maybe the game has fallen out of favor, but I, I have many, many happy memories of the time that I spent with Time Stories. And my favorite heist game, very recent list, list that I did, is Clank. I love Clank, and I love the heist theme of running into a dungeon, grabbing treasure, and trying to get back out before the dragon catches up to all of us who are underground. Next question is a mechanism that always intrigues me, always draws me, and always excites me. 
And this was a really tough one to answer once. So I have a few different answers here. I do have a full list of like my top 12 favorite mechanisms. And I have even probably a second list that'll do at some point because I love a lot of mechanisms. That's what this YouTube channel is all about. But uh, a few of my favorites and favorite and examples from each of them are worker placement. Worker placement is one where if someone says this game has worker placement, instantly I am intrigued because I, I just really like worker placement. Um, it's a I love action selection when that action selection happens in a shared space with the other players. Um, opposed to an action checklist. The worker placement does that beautifully. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep is one of my favorite worker placement games. Um, and I also love, I have to throw it in there, but I love Viticulture's worker placement system, especially the Grande worker, the extra bonuses on certain action spaces, um, how the spaces scale by player count. I, I like how Viticulture worked out for worker placement. Um, I, I Cut You Choose. I love I Cut You Choose. Hanami Koji is an example of that. This is a two-player I Cut You Choose game. Um, I, I just love that mechanism. Tug of War, I found. I, I gravitate to time and time again. Even recently, a play of Jekyll versus Hyde. I was like, this is awesome. This is this is a, this is a tug of war. I love that. Um, and Seven Wonders Duel, I think, has some of the best tug of war in, in any game. And then I also love and get excited about deck building and bag building. There are so many games that have deck building now that it isn't like a default buy for me, but it is. When I hear it, I'm like, okay, I am familiar with that. I am curious. I want to know more about it. And one of my favorite games in that genre is Quacks of Quinlanburg. That's a bag building game. I added this question. This is this question that wasn't on the original list from Matthew, but uh, cooperative or competitive? I just thought I'd throw that one out there to you and um, to myself. And for me, I think it depends. Um, I'm happy to play cooperative games in general, but I get really excited about cooperative games when they are uh, either built for, for two players or if they're campaign games. So I found that I don't really get excited um, about competitive campaign games. There are exceptions. Clank was an exception. Uh, the King's Dilemma was an exception. Even My City. Some of my favorite uh, campaign games ended up being exceptions to that rule. So I'm open to competitive campaign games. But because my main gaming partner is Megan, um, especially for a campaign game where it's very easy for us to get to the, to the table on an ongoing basis, uh, I am more excited to play cooperative campaign games with her than competitive campaign games. And one of my favorite games in that genre is role-player adventures. However, in general, I think I am more excited to play competitive games. Like at game night, I think I'm more excited to play competitive games with, uh, two, with higher than two players, but even two players at game night, if that ends up happening, um, I think competitive games excite me a little bit more than cooperative games. So it depends on uh, if it's a campaign game or non-campaign game. The seventh question is, what is the newest game in my collection? And I believe I've had a few games come in around the same time. Uh, but kind of the biggest, newest game that I was waiting on for a long time and was really excited to get was the collector's edition of The Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I just filmed a video about this a few minutes ago. Um, this is one of my favorite games, an I Price You Choose game, where you're building a castle. It's a very rewarding game where you're getting things when you place tiles, when you complete tiles. And uh, the new stuff and the new uh, trays added in this new collector's edition are extravagant, but really also very helpful to get to the game to the, get the, game to the table. So... Um, I'm really enjoying my uh, my one play of it so far. I look forward to getting it to the table some more. Question number eight is, what is my favorite player count? I like this question. This one made me think a little bit because it, like it's still my our games. We try to scale our games from one to five players at least. Like that's kind of the 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 goal that we aim for for every one of our games because we want our games to be played solo, so you can play them solo. We want uh, couples and housemates to be able to enjoy our games. 
uh, as two-player games. And we also want our games to be able to scale up to higher player counts for game nights. Um, and that's why they go up to, to five, sometimes six, seven players. But I think my favorite player count personally is two. I think two is the most important player count for me because, again, my main consistent gaming partner is Megan. I do, uh, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of friends in the area who love games. So we get together for regular game nights on an ongoing basis. But for like campaign games, um, and really, I would say any game, like I, I, if, if I see that the player count starts at three, I'm a lot less, I'm a lot more hesitant to get it because I know that cuts out a good 30 to 40% of my gaming time because I won't be able to get it to the table just with Megan. Um, so yeah, I think my favorite slash most important player count is two. I'd love to hear what yours is. What player color do you use the most often? My favorite is red. Uh, the story behind this is maybe a little bit morbid, but uh, one of the games that I played a lot as a kid was Risk. I had many fond memories of playing Risk with, a fr with friends and at family reunions. And I thought for some reason that because red is the color of blood that I could intimidate my opponents while playing Risk if I chose the color red. And so I always tried to play the color red in Risk and just got used to playing red. And so whenever I play games now, I choose red. I'm no longer actively thinking about intimidating my opponents by any means when I play other games, but that I, that I think is the origin of it for me. Um, and so I'm curious. I'm curious, definitely about about you too. Like, what color do you choose in games if you have the choice? And what is the origin of that? Do you remember? Is there a specific reason beyond you just liking that color that you chose that color originally? Number ten is: Do I read the rulebook or do I watch a how to play video or learn the game in some other way? So what's what's how do I learn to play games? Um, whenever I am tasked with the job of learning a new game, what I typically do, let's see what I typically do, because it varies a little bit per game. I think normally I watch a video first and then I read the rule book. Um, and then sometimes if I read the rule book or if it, it, whatever, however order that happens, and usually it's watch a video, then read, then read the rule book. But if there is then an unexpected delay between when I learn the rules and then I need to uh, actually play the game, I will typically then watch a video to refresh myself on how to play uh, and before getting it to the table again. I, I, it's rare that I'll go through and reread the rule book afterward, but I, I will gladly watch a rules video more than once about a game. And I've watched many like review videos about games, uh, about the same game over and over again. So a little bit of both. Number 11 is, what's my favorite snack to eat while playing board games? Um, as you know, I think if you follow my content, you probably know that I have a sweet tooth. Uh, I, I love uh, chocolate chip cookies in particular. So chocolate in general, but, but if, if someone has made freshly baked chocolate chip cookies or freshly made chocolate in any form and brought that to game night, I will get, I will get very excited about that. Number 12 is, what's an unreleased game that you're most looking forward to? This was very difficult to choose because I have a lot of games that I've backed that, uh, that you know, one day they will magically show up. I don't care when they show up, uh, but I have long since forgotten what they are or whether or not I'm excited about them. Um, but two games that I think, uh, one that I, I think is coming fairly soon is Clank Catacombs. It's a new version of Clank where I think it has some of the core mechanisms of Clank, but some of the stuff is new, and you're placing tiles on the board to kind of build the board as you play instead of having a set board from the beginning of the game. Really excited, really curious about that one. And uh, one of the, the kind of the bigger games that I'm excited about that, that won't be ready for a long time, and I'm okay with that, is Sleeping God's Distant Skies. 
I had a really good time with Sleeping Gods. I am myself designing an open world game. And so any games that I see in that genre, I get excited about to learn from. Um, and some of the things that, uh, that Ryan implemented in this Distant Skies version of Sleeping Gods just looks look really cool. So I'm really excited about Sleeping Gods, Distant Skies. There are many other games on this list. If I've forgotten a game that, that you designed or published, uh, I, could, I could go on and on if I looked up all the games that I backed or pre-ordered from, from publishers for this category, but those are two that came to mind. Number 13, uh, whenever I get a game, do I open it and punch it right away or do I wait until I play it for the first time? And just to clarify for this question, I would never wait until I am like playing a game for the first time to actually punch it. I would I would have it pre-punch before we actually play the game. I think that's what the question is saying. Like, do you, do you wait until the day when you're ready to play it? And typically, um, I think it depends on just how excited I am about the game or how curious I am about the contents. Oftentimes, I will open a game right away and see what's inside, but I would say it's pretty rare that I actually go through and punch it until I'm ready to learn it because I kind of start to learn the game through the punching process. I'm, I'm getting familiar with the components as I'm going through that process. So uh, typically I would say I wait to actually punch, like, like sort the components and punch the components if that's part of the game until I'm ready to actually play it. Number th uh, 14 is, what is my favorite thing about the board game hobby? There's so much here. I mean, I've, I've made a career out of this hobby, but it's also, um, for this video in particular, I'm talking about the game hobby itself. Like this this hobby itself has brought me so much joy as a person, as a, as a player, as a gamer. Um, and so I think two things that I'll say here that I really love about it, two favorites, are one, I love shared excitement about any geeky thing, about any nerdy thing. I love getting excited with someone else about a book or a movie or a TV show or a game. I, I love that shared excitement. And because I pay attention a lot to the board game community, I love shared excitement. I love when people share that excitement. It also means that when someone chimes into a conversation about shared excitement and they say, oh, I, I'm not excited about this, or however they want to say that in much cruder ways sometimes, it doesn't sting necessarily, but I'm like, I, I wish you didn't need to do that because this is one of my favorite things about it. I, I love sharing my excitement with games with other people. Um, so that's one of my favorite things. And I also love, as an introvert, I love that I have found gaming as, as an outlet for, um, for interacting with people in a way that feels very comfortable to me and it isn't exhausting for me because uh, there are elements of my introversion um, that even social anxieties where it's just exhausting for me to kind of like do small talk with someone, to mix and mingle, to go to a happy hour. That That is doesn't really happen during the pandemic anymore, but that to me is the most exhausting thing in the world to go to a happy hour. Uh, so I love, but I love people. And so I love that gaming provides an outlet for me to have this, this, uh, this magic circle, this construct, these these rules that we get to follow, that we get to talk about, where we've all kind of decided we're going to get excited about this this game for the next hour or so, and we're gonna we're gonna talk in the language of this game for that hour or so, and that is really good for me as an introvert, and I think good for introverts in general. So that is one of my favorite things about the board game hobby. Last question, fifteen: Do I have any hobbies other than board games? I do. Board gaming, I would say, is more probably my main hobby, but I, I do have other passions. Uh, over the last few years, I've gotten really into disc golf. I've generally had like one sport that I've been active in over the course of my life. Uh, in college, it was ultimate frisbee. After that, it was pick up soccer and pick up football. Um, then uh, before the pandemic, it was it was uh, indoor rock climbing. And now for during the pandemic, it's been disc golf. I really, really enjoy disc golf. It's one of my main hobbies. Uh, 
I love to read. Um, I love to write. Writing was kind of my, my other creative passion for a long time and still is to a certain extent. I do some writing for our games. I write the rule books, things like that. And I have, uh, I have my blog. I love blogging. So writing is still a habit uh, or a hobby through my, my personal blog and my Stonemark Games blog. Um, I love movies. I love watching movies. I love analyzing movies. And I enjoy cooking. I, I, I get a lot of joy from cooking. And uh, sports. Uh, watching sports in particular. I watch... Uh, I watch soccer, like I love the English Premier League, the Champions League, World Cup. Um, I love watching American football, college and, and professional. I love March Madness, American basketball, uh, the basketball tournament every, every year. Um, I love watching disc golf, a lot of sports that I enjoy watching over the course of the year. And so I would, I would yeah, I would say that's the, the, the last hobby on my list. Those are the 15 questions. Those are my answers. I'd love to learn more about you as a hobby gamer and a, and a nerdy, geeky hobbyist in general. So let me know in the comments below what your answers to these questions are. If you want to answer them, you can just copy and paste the list from the description and then write your answers next to each question. I'd really love to learn more about you, especially if you're someone who is active on this YouTube channel. That would let me uh, learn a little bit more about you as, as we continue this conversation through this channel. So yeah, let me know in the comments below your answers to these questions. Thanks.